0: two situations you know where i was asked to go talk to my boss's boss ended up with them telling me that i didn't have the value there that i thought i had um and it wasn't them saying hey you know you're fired i think they they i think in a sense they knew my value but they they needed me to feel feel devalued so i so i felt stuck there and I think that happens yeah. at a lot of companies. Companies make you feel like they're the end-all, be-all. And so if they devalue, much like a lot of people do in relationships, if they can devalue you, you're going to stay. Welcome to Entrepreneur Struggle, where we talk to entrepreneurs about their journey, creating and scaling up their businesses and freelance operations, while also really focusing on some of the mental and emotional challenges along the way. I'm Chris Colbert, the founder and CEO of the podcast and media company, DCP Entertainment, as well as the podcast and video recording space, Podstream Studios, Times Square. Welcome back to another week of Entrepreneur Struggle. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Colbert, and i say I'm your host, but today I guess I'm a little bit of your guest. Um, normally, we have these conversations where I'm talking to fellow entrepreneurs and freelancers about their journey, creating and scaling up their company with that you know real focus on mental and emotional challenges that we've overcome or still dealing with a lot of times. Um, but, you know, from time to time, I like to kind of give some more insight into my background and some of the things that led to the creation of my company's DCP Entertainment and Podstream Studios, you know, I think for a lot of us entrepreneurs, the lessons that we learned working for others uh, are the lessons that we now apply in our work life and in, in the companies that we create. And sometimes those are negative, you know, lessons that we learn. You know, some of the best lessons I've learned came out of what felt like negative situations. And so today is kind of one of those situations. We've talked in the past uh, in one of our earlier episodes about my fake firing. So you know, go back and check that out if you haven't heard it. But I know. Talking to a lot of people who have listened to the show, that has been one of their favorite episodes, and that's part of why I want to bring this this kind of conversation back. So this is kind of similar. It's not a fake firing, but it was a situation or situations where I've been at a couple different companies where I've run into my boss's bosses essentially telling me I don't need to work there. Uh, And so that's what we're going to get into today. And the person who's helping me do that yet again uh, is our chief operating officer here at DCP Entertainment, also my co-host of Say Their Name, uh, Adele Coleman. So, Adele, thank you for being here and welcome back to Entrepreneur Struggle.
1: Thank you for having me back. I'm always excited to join and share some insights on the history of Chris.
0: <laughs> he used to like to ask me questions on the air. Yeah, uh, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um so yeah, just to to kind of preface, you know, just because I don't I, I don't think these things are indicative of the companies I worked for uh, and I'm not, you know, really trying to go after anybody, so I'm going to, you know, use names uh I'm not going to use the names of the companies that I that we're talking about here and the names of the individuals I'm going to use as my my siblings' names. So today's names, because I have four brothers and a sister. Uh, today's names that we'll use are uh, Jason and Jared. So sorry, Jason and Jared, uh, I'm going to talk bad about you, but it's not really about you.
1: Right? I was going to ask, how do they feel about you using their names? <laughs> <all> the <time? laughs>
0: they don't like, listen, man. They you know they're like, oh, Chris is doing something else. I man, I'll, I'll check else. it out later. Yeah, they they don't even know. So uh, I'm sure at Christmas it might get a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> When I first started my career, I had this goal to be a program director. I was working in radio, and, and I really want to be a director. And a program director, for those of you who don't know, on the radio side is someone who basically controls the operations of, of a network. So if you're listening to a music station, these are the people who decide what DJs you're hearing, when you're hearing them. Uh, what music is going on in the air? Yes, a lot of times you're requesting, you know, songs, but usually it's the program director who's already picked it, and then they will just, you know, use your request to say that you requested it. So, sorry, uh, you know, if I'm ruining the magic for any of you, but basically, the program director has a lot of control, and you know, a little bit of a control freak myself, and so like that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be in charge. I didn't want to just be told what I can play on the radio. I wanted to decide what gets played on the radio. But my career led me into a space that wasn't music and more in the comedy space. And it kind of operated the same way. So now I'll just apply those same things I mentioned for comedy. So that's what I wanted to be able to do. And also that allows you to hire the right kind of people and bring on the right kind of uh, host that you want to have. And so that was the mode I was coming from. And I was working hard from an intern. You know, I was working up to an associate producer, then a producer. Um, I think I, I was like uh, – I may have had one other title in there. But basically the next step that I was going to hit was program director. And at the company I worked with, you don't get the job title until you're already doing it for a year or two. And uh, for me, I think within four years, I was already doing the job of a program director. I felt like I was doing that job. And so finally, the time came rolling around that I, I, you know, I felt like I was finally going to get that title. I was going to get that, that kind of money that goes along with that title. And the company I worked with only gave raises and bonuses and things like that once a year. So like you're just like chomping at the bit for that day to come. Finally, the day came, and unfortunately, my boss, my direct boss, wasn't in town, so he had to call to give us the news. And so he called me, and and we were talking, and he's like, "Yeah, got some good news for you. We've promoted you to executive producer." It's like executive producer. Well, one at this time, that actually wasn't a title that really existed uh, in our ecosystem. And it's like, well, uh, that's weird. I feel like I'm doing the job of a program director. What? you know, what happened? Well, you know, the company, we, we've actually changed some things recently. So what normally used to be called a program director is now called an executive producer. It's like, well, that's not the industry standard. And so that, you know, I was, I was upset about it. I felt very much slighted that I had done all the work to get this title that the, my career goal. And now all of a sudden they just moved the the goalpost. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't I wasn't ang- like angry in a way of like yelling at my boss. Uh, but I was saying to him, like, I'm very disappointed. And what do I need to do to become a program director? I don't get it. And he basically said, like, he doesn't know either. <laughs> and so he thinks this this would be a great opportunity for me to talk to his boss. So now he's going to line up a meeting for me to talk to his boss, the person who basically makes the decisions for our entire department. And so this person we are calling Jason. So Jason... Uh, I, uh, eventually I'd say, let's say it's like a week later. So it wasn't too long after, but I had a meeting with Jason and I walk into Jason's office. And the first thing that is said to me is, oh, Chris, uh, so I hear you're, you're upset about your job title. And so, yeah, you know, if you want to make money, go work in sales. Uh, so I worked in the program department and, you know, basically what was insinuated there is. Oh if you're if you're in this for money and not about the love, then you need to go work in sales now let's be honest, it doesn't have to be an either or uh, but that's what that was the first words out of the out of, out of Jason's mouth as I walked into the room. And I really thought I was going into this conversation to understand what a program you know what do I need to do to become a program director So I think I'm checking all the boxes. so he, he led with that and I said, okay, um I said, well, You know, again, I was really just coming here to better understand, you know, what I can do to become a director. And, you know, can you help me understand your definition of a program director? And Jason went on to basically describe my job. Um, And so I said, okay, well, I think I'm doing all those things. And then it became a, well, you know, you haven't been doing it long enough. I was like, okay, all right. And I think there was another part of our conversation where he essentially said, you know, if this is about money, you know, go, you know, you don't really have to work here. And so I, I left that conversation and I ended up having to go to HR and, and say to them like what had happened and how essentially I kind of walked into what felt like a trap. You know, I didn't, there was already a preconceived notion of, of what this conversation was about. And to me, it wasn't about money. I just wanted my title, but you know, the money will come later, but you know, it felt like this person was holding me back. And so I, I laid out the entire conversation to them. And next thing I know, uh, I'm getting a call from Jason saying, you know what? I thought about this some more and, uh, we're going to, we're going to work together all this next month. You're going to come down do mentor sessions with me once a week for about half an hour. I'm going to teach you how to be a program director. And, uh, you know, at the end of that, we'll, we'll see if we can give you that title. And for the next month, I, I did that. And I can't remember one lesson from that entire, uh, you know, those back and forths that we had. I don't think anything was ever really done. I What I think happened is HR went to him and, you know, maybe some of his bosses who found out about the situation and said, what the heck are you doing? This person is a program director. And I think the safe face, you know, he essentially, you know, had to tutor me to now become a program director. So I say all this to say, you know. There's certain times where you have to stand up and fight for yourself. And this was a situation where I felt that I was being devalued. Uh, the The work that I was doing was being devalued and devalued in a way that wouldn't allow me to grow in my career. Having that program director title can allow me to have different opportunities outside the company. And so in looking at that, I realized the importance of titles, the even more so than money sometimes. And so as I created DCP and other companies, like I'm very fluid when it comes to job titles, because I understand that this can make a world of difference for people in their career. And also that you don't want to be the one standing in the way of, of their future opportunities just because you want to prove a point. Um, and so, yeah, that was the, the first kind of situation of, of having a, a boss, or I guess in this case, my boss's boss be like, "Eh, you know, are you really that valuable?
1: You know, it's so weird, too, because it's like they created this new title for the position while acknowledging that you were doing the position. But then your boss's boss was like, you're not doing the position. So there still wasn't really a rationalization for, like, this weird title, like, that it just decided to insert between your goalpost and, like, the actual job that you were doing. So, like, it takes a lot of courage to confront your boss and be like, hey, like, this is not cool. Like, I don't want to. What were your thoughts in going in there? Like, were you worried about losing your job? What was that? What was the, the mind frame for you in approaching him in that way?
0: It's funny. I was actually excited because of the way my, you know, so I was going to talk to my boss's boss. I was going to talk to Jason, but my boss had been like, you know, this is a great opportunity for you to develop a relationship with this person. So this is someone who I'm now like, oh, this person's going to help further my career. Like it's going to be great to now have this open dialogue. So I was actually excited to to have this be our first like real conversation, and also for for me to lay out like this is what I see in my career trajectory. Here's the things that I think. Here's where I see I'm valuable, and and here's ways that maybe you guys can utilize me a little bit better, uh, and then to be met with uh, defensiveness just right out the gate and being told. By somebody else, why I'm in the meeting, like to have someone tell me that I was coming there to ask for more money when all I was doing is get, you know, get more information. I just realized, oh, wow, do I belong here? First of all. And, and two, like, oh my gosh, as you said, that goalpost got moved. So am I ever going to reach that light at the end of the tunnel? Or or is this going to be this continued, you know, uh, carrot at the end of the stick that I'm constantly chasing? I'm using all the (laughs) the weird analogies right
1: Right? Did you ever, like, especially in this, like, mentorship program, did you ever think about leaving? Or, like, because it does make you question your value, you know, for the company. And would you ever reach that goal? Did you ever think about leaving? What was the thoughts there?
0: I did. But at the same time, I, I didn't feel, I felt like if I left because of where my title was at the time, it wouldn't be a move where I'm I'm moving up or, or even feel like I'm moving laterally because my current title was devaluing what I was doing. I had a producer title at that time that, or even like a senior producer that I was being called that, but I was doing the work of a program director. So if I go somewhere else, they're like, Oh, you'll be another senior producer. And now I feel like I'm taking a step back because of the title that I currently had. And so Yes, I was thinking about it, but it didn't feel realistic. It felt like I needed to fight here to get the title I deserve. And now also this created my mind state moving forward with the company of, all right, I'm not valued. Even if I get this title now, I understand that there's people here who are not fighting for me. And so I need to start figuring out, you know, what is next beyond this place? Um, So if anything, I think that experience was one of the big reasons that made me start thinking critically about starting my own company.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, that's that's actually really cool, though, when you think about it in hindsight, like not when you're going through it, but like (laughs) in hindsight, it it changes how you approach the next steps. Like I always say my past definitely determined, like even now with managing our team at DCP, like how we approach them kind of based off of like previous lessons, you know, that were learned overall. Oh, yeah. Well, then where'd you go from there? What what, what happened next?
0: <laughs> so, you know, so part of this story is that in the background, I eventually started DCP Entertainment, and I was basically getting things in order. What kind of legal documents do I need? Just better understanding the business aspects of what I'm going to eventually be going into. That way, eventually, you know, at at the place I was working, I did eventually start making a lot more money. I finally got the right titles, and I started getting stock options and bonuses. So it got to a point where after having been there for many years, I was able to maybe take this money that I was getting and create uh, or invest it into DCP and really go all in on it. So as I was mapping that out, I got hired away to another company, and um, as I was working there, you know, I was working with a new team, um, and I was hoping to have more of an internal team that I could work with. And basically, I was running a, a whole documentary department. And so that takes a lot of different resources. And unfortunately, in the first few months of, of being there, I didn't have all the resources I needed. And morale at, at the company was getting low just because I wasn't the only one who was going through these things. And so everybody was feeling overworked. I very much was feeling that. And uh, I tried to, again, take it to my boss in this situation. And much like the, the situation before, uh, my boss said, you know what? Here's a great opportunity for her to talk to my boss and, and have a you know more of a direct relationship. There. How do you
1: keep ending up these? <laughs> <laughs> oh God.
0: Um, so once again, you know, I, I I don't I think I was less excited this time. Not, right. not apprehensive, but I was less excited because I'm like, oh I've seen how this is go before. <laughs> right. Um but so we will call this person Jared. Um, and so Jared, I, I went to speak with Jared. I remember being in a conference room and actually my my initial bo- my, my uh, direct contact, my boss was in the room as well as Jared, my boss's boss. So it's three of us in there this time. And uh, I think I started off the conversation basically saying, like, hey, I've been promised these certain resources, and we still haven't gotten them. There's been a few false starts of, okay, I think I'm getting somebody, and it didn't happen. Or you say I have somebody, and then I go talk to that person, and they have no idea what I'm talking about. And so they get upset with me that they don't have enough time. So it just was this situation. I was trying to lay out what I've been, you know, what's been happening. And then also, okay, well, here are my solutions for it. And as I was saying it, it didn't feel like. I was being heard. It, it, it just, just you know, sometimes you get that visceral feeling just based off someone's body language of like, are they hearing you? And it didn't feel like I was necessarily being heard. It felt, it felt like, you know, they were just kind of like, oh, this is this one person's experience. So I then used that to then say, and a lot of these things that I'm mentioning are things that I'm hearing from other producers as well. So this isn't just me that I'm hearing from. And I got cut off real quick at that point uh, from the person saying, well, you can't speak for anybody else. you only talk for yourself. I'm like, oh, OK, my bad. I just want to give you a heads up that this is a company culture thing. And I thought you might want to be aware, but OK, fine. I will focus on myself. Um, and again, just kind of laid out you know, what I was experiencing and trying to approach it from a proactive you know, point of view of if we have these other resources, I can do so much more and or I can be more focused on some of these key projects that you want me working on. And Jared's response back to me was, you know, you don't have to work here, right?
1: Wow.
0: And basically the pause I just gave you was the pause I had in the room. I looked at him. I think I even did this nod, just a silent, just kind of rocking. I was like, okay. And I think I, yeah, I think I even said, okay. And I just, I shut up for the rest of the meeting. I was like, okay, I, I understand where I stand now. Right. And that was the moment I decided it's time for me to leave. And that's when I started making real concrete steps of, all right, when am I leaving? How am I leaving? Um, how does that affect my team that I'm currently working with? Though I said I had very few resources, I think I had one person that was working with me um, at that point on a few projects. And I was like, okay, how do I transition this person in? Because they're kind of new, so I now need to make them more senior. Because at every place I work, I don't want the audience to suffer. And mm-hmm. so, how can I line up every project that I'm working on? And I produce uh, you know, thirteen projects in eleven months, which is absurd, and a lot of them being documentaries. And so, how do I leave them on the best kind of standing while also making sure I'm taking care of myself? So, yeah, it's just it, two situations you know where I was asked to go talk to my boss's boss ended up with them telling me that I didn't have the value there that I thought I had. um, and it wasn't them saying, "Hey, you know, you're fired. I think they they i think that in a sense they knew my value, but they they needed me to feel, feel devalued, so I right. So I felt stuck there. And I think that happens yeah. at a lot of companies. Companies make you feel like they're the all, end-all, be-all. And so if they devalue, much like a lot of people do in relationships, if they can devalue I was you. Just gonna you're going to say, gonna say stay. that.
1: I was going to say it's like that whole company culture in general, like it's like instilling that fear, you know? Because even personally, like, I was afraid to approach my boss's bosses, you know, sometimes with certain situations and, you know— that advocacy, like the position you were in was so important because sometimes the other folk do need someone to speak up for them because they might not have the boss's ear in the way that certain managers do. Like, you know, you may try to speak to your manager and they're like, okay, like, I don't know who that even is, but she works for me. Cool. (laughs) But it kind of comes off like, you know, like a little bit of like an abusive relationship (laughs) in a way where it's just like, you know, speaking backwards to you, like you don't value this place or, you know, if you you like kind of calling your bluff, like if you really cared, like especially in knowing who you were as a person, because like you say, you cared about the people, you cared about the listeners, you cared about the experience. So in calling your bluff and taking advantage of that situation overall, it's just like, just hearing you talk, it's just like, it just makes me shake my head because it really does feel like emotionally abusive and toxic and and in a lot of ways it takes time for folk to even get to the level that you were at to even understand what really is going on and by that time even if you did left leave, leave there are dozens of others coming in the door you know eager to, try to go the process that you went so yep. it makes you feel ex- expendable and like you don't matter and then honestly let's be honest the cost of living is ridiculous so like you might not <laughs> yeah, have to live the in space New York City to be, right to just like leave. But I was going to ask, with all that paraphrasing, you, you're you leaving this spot. You left the previous place to try to better yourself. And all in the background, it's like DCP, DCP, DCP. How do you now take that experience as a boss? You know, like if your team comes to you and tries to approach you, how do you now, now that you're in the position that they were in, how do you handle conflict or, you know, whatever, you know, with your team? How do you now take those lessons and apply it to your position with DCP?
0: Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I just know not to just, you know, tell people, hey, you you don't have to work here if you don't want to. Don't get me wrong. There are times I want to say that, uh, but I will never use that exact terminology. Um, You know, I I think there is a way about approaching things. And I think, you know, even the examples that I gave, some of those people that I was talking about, the Jason and Jared, as I call them, they knew what they were doing in the industry, but they aren't, you know, maybe weren't necessarily great managers at that time. Um and so I think that was a distinction that I was able to understand that there's a difference between uh being great in your field and also being a great manager. And so you have to look at them in tandem but look at them separately as well. So how can I take these lessons and learn how to be a better manager? Well, part of that is letting your your staff feel heard. Um and so one, opening up lines of communication where you're not just saying, "Hey, you can come to me on anything," but when they do come to you on things and maybe challenge you on things, are you open to hearing that constructive criticism about either how you're running the company or, or you know working with your staff? And that's not to say that you know the the staff is always going to be right, but let them be heard and feel like you have understood what they've said, and and don't be defensive. You know, don't be like, oh well, you know, this is the way we're doing. We're always going to do it that way. I'll say, okay, let me let me think on that. Let me see if there's ways we might be able to do this better. Or even if you're going to say, well, no, we're not going to do it, but then explain why we go about certain things. So if I'm asking, you know, why I didn't get a certain job title, then follow up with that to say, well, hey, the the president of the company has now changed this edict, but let me figure out, you know, how can we work together? Okay, this is what a program director now means. So let's figure out how to get you there. Or let me better understand why do you want to be a program director? Oh, it's because, you know, this is your career goal. So again, how can we work around this to figure out how to make that work for you? Um, In the situation with, you know, Jared that I was mentioning, If I'm coming to them saying, like, hey, I need more resources, and here's where we've run into roadblocks before, okay, let me understand a little bit better. Let me, you know, uh, do we need to pull in other people into this conversation to figure out where those other resources might be able to be pulled from instead of just being defensive and saying, well, you know you don't have to work here because you have criticisms. And, like, criticisms are a good thing. And I guess, you know, I'm kind of – it's a roundabout way to kind of back into this of – Understand that the criticisms that you get from your team are super beneficial because they're the ones who are on the ground doing all the work that allowed you as an executive to look good. And so if you can make their job easier, it's gonna make you look better. Um, and I think that was part of that takeaway is just understanding that uh, when you don't feel valued, when you, when you, Don't feel heard. You don't have the incentive to push for the company anymore. And if anything, now you have a foot out the door and you're just trying to map out how do you get out of here in the best way without hurting your own career or potentially hurting the projects you work on. And so, yeah, by being more, not to say that I personally wasn't, but just being more cognizant of what a manager needs to do in terms of opening up open lines of communication to their staff, I think those were really valuable lessons that I was able to learn from that. It's
1: powerful. Do you feel like looking back, do you wish you would have done anything differently? Hmm.
0: I don't really think I do. Uh, One, I'm a firm believer in everything happens, you know, for a reason and the way they're supposed to. Um, I guess the only thing and I just didn't have the leverage then. But it's like if it, it would be great to have leverage going into those meetings to essentially be like, well, hey, I'm getting courted by this other company. So, yeah, if you really feel that way, I can leave tomorrow. Um, You know, but that would have been just more of like an ego thing that would have been nice. Yeah. I, I think from the perspective <laughs> of how I handled it, it, I didn't fight back when those people said those things. It just was, okay, I'm going to be silent now because I now know where I stand. And now I'm going to be strategic about how I try to either leave the situation or make the best of it. Um, but no, I don't think there's anything in particular I would have done differently there.
1: And I will say, too, it's just something important underlying overall with knowing your value and not being afraid to leave somewhere. You know, because we we grow up with the generations before us like I worked for that company for 65 years, you know, like so we're like, okay, I guess I got to stick around, too. But it's also can be something like where you're silencing yourself, you lose yourself, you know, just kind of checking in with yourself um, mentally and emotionally and saying, you know what, I do hold that value. And then, you know, picking a different way to fight. So it's not necessarily to say that you didn't necessarily fight. You weren't in there going toe -to to toe, but you took that. That note, put it in your pocket, and we're able to strategize a different way for the long game. And I think that's an important thing to note, especially when, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or working for companies in general, just kind of understanding your value and being strategic on on your next moves within and, in, in this case, outside of the company. So, appreciate you yeah. sharing it.
0: Yeah, and I think what you just hit on, uh, I think, gets to the core of this. Um, and so, I'm glad you said it in that way, is whether you're the boss in this situation or whether you are the employee in this situation, don't react emotionally. Um, And yes, emotions are going to play into, to our, you know, our responses. They play into decisions that we make, but wherever possible, take a step back. So me as the staffer in those situations, I didn't go running immediately into my boss's boss's office, or even, you know, in the situation, my boss is, I, I, I work from a place of facts as opposed to a place of emotion and sometimes that means taking a day or two to, to allow yourself to calm down a little bit and or maybe talk to somebody and get some more perspective before entering that conversation. But on the flip side, as the as the bosses, they clearly acted emotionally you know, towards me because they felt slighted. They felt like I was coming at a personal attack to them, most likely. Um, and to take a step back, if, if they would have. Hopefully handled this better, they would have taken a step back to realize, no, I am looking at ways to try to improve this company or to improve how I can operate within the company. And so instead of feeling defensive, hey, let's let let me take a step back. And even if you know I blindside them with something for them to say, okay, I know we were supposed to meet for a half an hour, but this caught me off guard. Let me take a day to think on this and let's, you know, line up another meeting. I think that was just another thing that helped me to realize what might have you know been better to handle in that situation. But back to the core lesson here that I think you you kind of brought up, which is, yeah, just don't operate emotionally. I think knowing ourselves well, I know the things that get me emotionally ratcheted up. So I kind of I know my flags and when they'll kind of back away and take a day. And so, yeah, think about yourself and how you move about the world, how you operate In your own personal life, just how viscerally certain things can make you react and apply that to the business side and know that if those situations come up, is it, hey, I need to go meditate for a minute. I need to take a a night to sleep on this or just talk to somebody else. So, yeah, operating emotionally uh, can really put you in in compromising positions. But that when you take a step back, that emotion can be used in a way that's constructive. Mm
1: -hmm. And like you said, when necessary, you know having the advocacy piece and going to HR if you need to, you know, about certain things as well. And, you know, it, hoping that there is someone at your job that you can also trust, you know, cause I've been at jobs where I was, was like, oh, HR, HR is not here for me, but <laughs> I had other, you know, bosses that I trusted a little more than them to figure out, you know, what should be the next move. So, yeah, I think it's, it's all great. And I know they felt it when you left. I I know that.
0: <laughs> I hope
1: so. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say.
0: That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's my pettiness there. No, honestly, yeah. no. It, uh, and like we've been saying here, all these things happen for a reason. And I want to turn this back outward to those who are listening in terms of, like, if you're going through those kind of situations, one, hopefully you have a better way of kind of you know trying to approach them. But two, hopefully this helps you to take a step back and understand your own worth. Because I don't think I fully, as much as I said it hurt me in terms of feeling like I wasn't I wasn't valued. I didn't fully understand my power until years later. And so I think, you know, when you take a look at these situations, um, you know, understand your, your worth and, and understand what you bring to the table. And sometimes that means you need to take it off their table and, and, you know, create your own table or, you know, put it on somebody else's. Uh, I'm going to keep, keep using all these crazy analogies. So,
1: <laughs> But that'll be a good kind of ask in general of, of your folk here, you know, at entrepreneur struggle and the fellow entrepreneurs or those that are learning, like, If they did work a corporate job, like what was their moment where they were like, "Okay, noted. Now it's time to build my own table." Like, what was that moment for them, in general, and and on their journey? We all have those.
0: That's a great question. I'd love to hear. Well, we we will wrap on that, Adele. I appreciate you again. You know, uh, doing these conversations with me as I you know try to figure out how to. talk about some of the things that led to the creation of dcp entertainment and podstream studios um and you know as we talk about you know staffs and bosses you are are both of those things you know you report to me but also a lot of people on our team report to you um so i also just in front of everybody want to say thank you for all the work that you do as an excellent manager um here at our company so now thank thank you for being a great host and, and great chief operating officer for dcp
1: yeah, I love it. Thanks for having me. Happy to, to follow you around any day, you know. So I'm really happy to be here in general. And you know, I like talking, so you know, I'm here anytime you call.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, until our next entrepreneur struggle conversation. Stay safe, stay healthy, because the struggle is real.